want to come to church? Amen. Amen. I remember I remember as a kid I had to go to church. Now I get to go to church. And there's a big difference in those three little words, isn't there? Three little letters. Get to and have to. Had to. I can't spell, Dennis. I'm sorry. You can get with me afterwards. But, you know, I think it's an amazing thing when we get to go to church and be a part of a church body that's loving God and loving each other and changing the world. Amen? Well, if you've got your Bibles, lift them up this morning. Repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys sound great this morning. All right, I've got a couple jokes for you. <laughs> All right, Brian told me this one, so if y'all don't like it, y'all can blame Brian. We went shooting skeet yesterday, and he, and he told me this, and I told him I'd tell it. All right, this uh, young, young cowboy and his wife, brand-new wife, just got married, and they're, they're driving out on their honeymoon, and they're in a, a coach with two horses that are pulling them. And he's got the reins, and they're going along. And one of the horses stumbles a little bit, and he looks over, and, and he says, that's one. And they drive on a little bit longer, and the horse stumbles again. And he goes, that's two. His wife looks over at him, and he's just looking at the horse. And they keep going a couple more miles. The horse stumbles again. He says, that's three. Pulls out his pistol and shoots the horse dead right on the spot. His wife just goes into hysterics. She goes, I can't believe you did that. How are we going to get to our honeymoon? What were you thinking now? What are we going to do? And he looks at her and says, that's one. <laughs> if some of y'all don't make it back next Sunday, I'll know what happened. <laughs> All right, today we're going to be talking about family. We're going to be talking about how to create an unstoppable family. An unstoppable family. You know, last week we talked about creating unstoppable unity. How we create unity, what, what unity can do. We've just experienced as a, as a church what a group of people can do when they come together with the anointing of God. They can literally begin to change a community. And we're experiencing that right now. But how do you break it down to a smaller level? A smaller level is a family. So how do you create an unstoppable family? Well, as I was preparing for that, I, I was looking to see some letters that kids had written to God. And I don't know if this was Sunday school or what, but these, these kids were writing little letters to God. And, I, and I've got some quotes for you this morning because these kids are part of families. And, and here's some of the quotes that they talked about. Dear God, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that or was it an accident? <laughs> Norma. <laughs> Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? <laughs> that was Neil. Dear God, <laughs> I like this one. Thank you for my baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Dear God, it rained for our whole vacation and is my father mad? He said some things about you that people are not supposed to say. <laughs> but I hope that you will not hurt him anyway. You're a friend, but I'm not going to tell you who I am. <laughs> That's what she wrote. <laughs> Dear God, please send me a pony. I never asked for anything before. You can look it up. <laughs> 
dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair. <laughs> dear, uh, dear God, I bet it is very hard for you to love all the people in the world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. <laughs> dear God, my brother told me about being born, but it just doesn't sound right. <laughs> dear God, if you watch me in church Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes, Mickey. Dear God, we read that Thomas Edison created light, but in Sunday school we learned that you did it, so I bet he stole your idea. <laughs> Dear God, I do not think anybody could be a better God than you. Well, I just want you to know that I'm not just saying that because you're God already. <laughs> I like this one. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with me and my brother. Now, here's the last two. Dear God, I think about you sometimes even when I'm not praying. How about that? And the final one. Dear God, I didn't think that orange and purple went together until I saw the sunset that you made on Tuesday. That was cool, Eugene. Out of the words, uh, mouths of babes, right? There's truth, but there, there's also a lot about families that you see in here. And one of the things that keeps surfacing, if you look at families at all, is conflict, right? Families tend to have conflicts. And I want you to understand something today. I'm going to let you off the hook. There's not anything wrong with conflict in families. Conflict is going to happen. It's what you do about it. It's what you do about it. Anybody in here grow up in a dysfunctional family? Anybody? You can, be proud. Get your hands up. Let me see them. I mean, you grew up in one of those families that put the fun in dysfunctional. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there's hope for dysfunctional families. Amen? And what's amazing is I'm going to show you some stories today in the Bible that talks about dysfunctional families in the Bible. And that God restored them and God made changes happen in them. So if your family is dysfunctional today or, or you grew up in a family that was dysfunctional, there's hope. Amen? Amen. So be encouraged today. I like this quote by Jeff Foxworthy. He said, if you ever start feeling like you have the goofiest, craziest, most dis dysfunctional family in the world, all you have to do is go to a state fair. Because five minutes at the fair and you'll be going, you know, we're all right. <laughs> and that's the truth, isn't it? Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and it'll be on the notes too. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. One of the things that I see when I read that scripture is that God's plan has always been about families. It's always been about families. And not just your nuclear family, the family you have at home, the family you grew up in, but the church family. You know, we talk all the time about unity. We talk about the body of Christ. We talk about the family of God. That is a very real thing. But in order for us to become the kind of unstoppable families, the unstoppable church that God wants, is we have to understand a few basic things about how a family should operate. Amen? Let's, let's look at a couple of families that had some challenges this morning. Uh, Adam and Eve, first family, right? First family. 
What happened to their two sons, Cain and Abel? Got into a fight, didn't they? And one of them ended up killing the other one over livestock. You know, one was a, one was a farmer, the other one was a rancher, and they got in a fight and one killed the other. And, and I want you to understand something, guys. This is Adam and Eve and their children. So, so I want to let you off the hook today. If some of you feel pressure about decisions that have been made in your family, maybe you feel responsible for decisions other people have made, I want you to understand something. God is looking at your heart, and he can restore your family. He can still make something great out of the mess that maybe your family is in or has been in. Now, here's another family. We, we talk about, you, you all know the story of Joseph with the coat of many colors, right? Everybody remember that story? And Joseph had all those brothers, and Joseph was the favored brother, right? And, and his dad loved Joseph so much that he made him a special multicolor Gucci suit, right? And, and he gave him the suit, and he went in there, and he was wearing his suit. But Joseph also was prophetic, and Joseph would get these visions from God, and he would start to tell his family. The problem was the visions that he was telling his family had to do with them serving him. How many of you like a little brother that tells you that? I mean, would anybody have a problem with that? It got to the point where there was a real problem. And I'm going to list some of the problems that happened in this family, a God-blessed family. Here's some of the things that happened. First thing that happened is there was discord. If you've got your notes today, you want to write that down. Number one is discord. When you have a family unit and people don't seem to see eye to eye, they'd get in discord. And I want to tell you, as I mentioned last week, we have an enemy. Satan is out there, and he is trying to destroy families. And I have tried in this church and also in our, our own family, what we try to do is we eliminate strife. We try not to put up with strife. Because the Bible says where there's strife, there's envy, and there's every evil work every evil work starts with strife a lot of times people not getting along and it creates all these emotions and it creates all these things i mean you guys know how many of you when you go to thanksgiving's one of the only time you see your relatives right and there you get there and there are still people that won't talk to each other because of something that happened 20 years ago you know what i'm talking about and if you ask them what's wrong they probably don't even remember discord strife number one number two favoritism if you're doing this in your family now now so number one is don't allow discord in your family talk things out don't brush things under the rug when you have challenges in your family that we all do sit down and talk about it you say pastor chris that's uncomfortable if you don't deal with the issues it is going to cause more problems later that you don't even want to imagine when there are challenges in your family, don't pretend they're not there because they are. Deal with them. Now, when I say deal with them before I go on, this is free right here. It'll save you a little counseling time with the pastor. That doesn't mean this is what I said do, so you just have to do it. <laughs> Does that usually work? There are times, especially with our kids, that, that I say those things. Say, look, this is the rule, and then you need to follow it. But I want to explain to them why. I had a talk with Taylor the other night about something. And, and she's 16, and we were having some conflicts. And I talked to her, and I said, Taylor, let me explain to you why I want you to do these things. The Bible says that you need to honor your father and mother. Why? So it will go well with you and that you will have a long life. 
No. <laughs> no, I was not going to take her out myself, okay? <laughs> but that's where Bill Cosby got that I brought you into the world, I can take you out deal, right? But the truth is, what I was explaining to her is, sweetheart, when you obey, when you honor us, even though, and I told her, I said, sometimes we're going to be wrong, but when you honor us, what you're doing is you're really sowing favor into God's kingdom. But when you rebel, what you're doing is hurting yourself, ultimately. So it's important that we deal with these issues. Number two is favoritism. Favoritism. Daddy likes so-and-so better than me. Does that ever work out? No. Do not show favoritism. And I'm going to help some of you that are employers. Don't show favoritism to employees either. That's very difficult. It creates strife. It creates discord. And what happened in Joseph's family is daddy loved Joseph so much and everybody knew that. And his brothers got so mad at him that it turned into the third thing, which is hatred. Favoritism bred hatred. So right now, if you've got a child that you like better than others, <laughs> uh, I'm the oldest grandson on my, my dad's side of the family. And my grandmother just says, Chris is just my favorite, you know. And you can imagine how that makes all the other cousins and, and everybody feel. Now, I like it because, you know, I, don't, I think that's going to work out for me one of these days. But, you know, I, <laughs> but I think some of my cousins and my brother kind of look at me like, eh, you know. Of course, I have a feeling she tells all them they're her favorite too, you know, when she's alone with them. But she'll say that. And it's not a good thing because it makes it uncomfortable for me. It also makes it uncomfortable for other people. Don't show favoritism like that, y'all. Don't show favoritism. Treat, treat all your children equally. Treat your employers and employees equally as well. And here's the other thing, that hatred, so what happens is, is this favoritism bred hatred in Joseph's family. What did they do? They beat him up and they threw him into a pit. This is their brother. The hatred got so bad against these brothers for their own brother that they were going to kill him. Here's the fourth thing. It bred jealousy. It bred jealousy. And we have to be careful of that, especially, Grant, you guys are getting ready to have your first baby. We're so proud of y'all. That's awesome. Little Christopher, right? Isn't that his name? No. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm just trying. I'm just saying, you know. But... uh they're getting ready to have their first baby. And these are the kind of things as a new parent you want to understand. And it's hard when you start getting all these kids and one of them acts really good. So what do you want to do? You want to honor the really good one? You want to bless the really good one? And what happens to the others? They begin to turn on him and turn on each other. And it can develop hatred and jealousy. So we have to guard against jealousy. The other thing it does is it creates suspicion. You get a family that stops trusting each other. They become suspicious of each other. The sixth thing, is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, is division. And what all these ultimately lead to, and here's your last blank, is murder. All that leads to murder. And you think, how is that, Pastor? How can a little bit of strife turn into the, uh, that? You know, the Bible talks so much about planting little seeds and the harvest you get. And we don't think by showing favoritism that we're really creating discord and strife, do we? But we are. We don't think by, you know, uh, 
allowing some of these things to happen, then it's really going to hurt anybody. Well, it's not that big of a deal. It is a huge deal. So you need to look at your families right now. Some of you that came from families that maybe were broken or dysfunctional a little bit, if you look back, some of these things I've just listed have actually happened in that family, and that caused a lot of the problems that you had, didn't it? And I want to tell you something. You may say, well, you know what, Pastor? I'm not going to murder my brother or sister, even though I want to. <laughs> or there were times you wanted to. But you know what Jesus talked about a lot of times? What? The heart. What's going on in here? How you feel towards people. How you act towards people. And I've said this before, but I want you to understand it. You know, when we get angry with someone, when we get jealous of someone, when we, when we become just where we can't stand being around somebody, it doesn't even have to be a family member. It can be somebody else. And we're so mad at them. What happens is it's like us drinking poison and expecting them to die. Does that work? Who's going to die if you drink poison? You are. But when we allow those things to happen, when, when we allow strife to set in and allow strife to have its work, it's like we're steadily drinking poison and we become bitter and we become these people that we don't want to be. So how do, you, how do you get out of that? This isn't in your notes. Just make a line or make a note. Here's how you do it. Forgive. Forgive. Forgiveness is the key to almost every challenge that you have in your life. When somebody wrongs you, you forgive them. Pastor, you don't understand what my father did to me all those years ago. Forgive. You're setting him free and you're setting yourself free. Forgiveness. And Jesus was our greatest example of all of that. Hang, hanging on the cross, the only person that never deserved that. I mean, if there was anybody that didn't deserve what he got, it was Jesus. And what is he saying? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Did it ever occur to you that maybe the people that have hurt you or are hurting you now, they're just acting on what they've seen in the past? I have this saying that I've heard over and over again, and it's absolutely true. And I say it in counseling appointments all the time. Hurting people hurt people. If I see someone hurting other people, it's because they're hurting. All they're doing is replicating after their own kind. So how do you ultimately get out of that situation? You have to identify where the hurt is, and you have to forgive the person or persons that did that to you. Has anybody ever done that? Have you ever been wronged by someone and you forgave? You know what is amazing to me is the freedom that comes from that? Because here's what happens. You're not anymore held captive to, that, to the past. You are now free to move about the rest of your life, and God blesses that. Because what you're doing, when you begin to forgive and love people like that, you're setting them free. You're setting yourself free too. And, and then life can begin to take place. So how do we create an unstoppable family? What are the steps that we can take? All right, I'm going to give these to you. And if you'll do these, it will create an unstoppable family, okay? And there's scripture to back up each one of these. Number one is this. Well, let me read this first. Galatians 3.29 says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And we've been talking about the covenant. We talked about that a while back. What does that mean? When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are now part of the family of God. You are God's child. 
You are adopted into his family. And that means all the rights and privileges that are the privileges of that family now become yours. When we talk about tithing, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a promise that God's given. When you tithe, you are opening yourself up to the promise. When you believe God for healing, you're opening up yourself to the promises of God. When you become part of his family, you now get all the benefits of being in his family. But here's the key to that. You have to walk in those benefits. You have to walk in those benefits. It's up to you to take advantage of the benefits that you have. Does that make sense? All right, so the first thing that we have to do to create an unstoppable family in your notes is go back to the Word of God. Number one is your family has to be built on the rock. Dave sang about that today. The Word of God is the foundation of each family. Psalm 109, 105 says this, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. This book written all those generations ago right now has a solution to any problem that you're facing. No matter what challenge you're facing right now, in the Bible is the answer to those solutions. God has already, there, it's in there. But here's the deal. You have to look for it. And it's never been easier to do that. You can go online to Bible Gateway and all these different places and you can type in a topic and it'll just list out all the scriptures for you. It's not hard anymore. It's not hard. Now, I remember as a kid reading Peanuts, Charlie Brown, and I remember one cartoon that had uh, Linus, you know, and, and uh, it was either Linus or Charlie Brown, I don't remember which one, but the sister walked by and looked in there and they had all their books piled up underneath their pillow. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm hoping when I go to sleep tonight, all that information soaks up through my pillow into my brain. If that worked, I would have done that, I promise. <laughs> but the truth is, it doesn't work that way. You have to open this up. The other option of building your family on God's Word, building up yourself in God's Word, is come to church. This is a good place to get God's Word. The other thing that you need to do is get involved in a small group. Get involved in a Bible study. Spend time every day in the Word. Now, some of you may, may be embarrassed and say, Pastor, I didn't grow up in church. I don't know anything about the Bible. You know, um, we'll help you with that. We're here for you for that. If you have questions, if you're dealing with a challenge, we want you to come to us. We want to help you learn to study the Bible for yourself. Amen? This is your operating manual. This is it right here. So number one is go back to the Word of God. Number two, trust God through the good and the bad. Trust God through the good and the bad. Job 121 says this, Naked, naked came I out of my mother's, mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've gone through some challenges. And I know you've heard me say this many times as believers. We, we think that the world's supposed to be rosy as a Christian. We're not supposed to have problems anymore. Anybody ever think that? That's not true. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But the good news is, he said, I have overcome the world. So what we have to realize is we have to trust God in the good and the bad situations. And here's the deal. Here's what I've learned personally. Any situation that I've faced, even the bad ones, even the really hard ones, as long as I would stay close to God, when I came out on the other side, it was better than it was before. It was better than it was before. It didn't look like it. It looked like that bear was going to eat me, whatever your situation's in. But if you stay close to God, he will help you and he will... 
see you through to the other side. You have to learn to trust God. Now, here's what's funny. It's not just in the bad situations. Right here it says trust God also in the good situations. Because sometimes it's harder to trust God in the good times than it is the bad times. What do I mean? Well, when things are going well, sometimes we feel like we don't need God. Hey, God, it's all good. I'll holler if I need you. You know what I'm talking about? And then the tire blows out, and now you need God's help. But here's the deal. God wants to bless you, and you're going to go through different seasons in your life. But as you do that, you trust him all the time, good, bad, or otherwise. And here's a good way to start your day. Get up, start in the Word. Now, I used to not do this. When I first became a Christian, I used to study my Bible at night because I had a lot too much going on in the morning. But what I learned as I matured as a believer is it was a lot better to be prepared for my day by starting with God than getting beat up all day long and then going to the Bible. Does that make sense? So discipline yourself to get up in the morning and spend some time with God. Why? So that when things happen to you during the day, you have something to draw on. But no matter what, you have to learn to trust Him in the good and in the bad. Number three, maintain character and integrity. Psalm 25, 21 says this, May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. Trust God. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. When nobody's looking, do the right thing. You know, sometimes what will happen as you become a, a stronger believer is you'll begin to love people when nobody knows it. You know, it's one thing for us to come out and do the backpacks because we're all there together, we're all seeing, and that's an amazing thing. And trust me, y'all know how much I love that. But what about doing things when nobody sees? What about buying gas for somebody when you know they have a need? What about helping somebody buy their groceries? What about opening a door for somebody? What about those times when nobody else knows but you and God? But you're so full of God's word. You're so full of the love that's in there that you maintain that character and integrity. You, you maintain who God's created you to be, and you're just that way all the time. You know, there's some people in this church that I love to be around. They're just how they are all the time. And I love that. You know, they don't put their church clothes on and become churchy and then leave and become something else. If you've been around me more than 10 minutes, you'll know I'm pretty much just this way all the time. Good, bad, and otherwise, right? <laughs> but what I've learned is I don't have to be somebody that God hasn't made me. I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin. I need less skin, but I have, you know, but I'm comfortable in what I have right now. <laughs> but what I've learned is that God's created each one of us uniquely, and he just wants us to be who we are. That ought to free you up. You don't need to try to be like Trisha. You don't need to try to be like Raymond. You just need to be the person that God's created you to be. Does that make sense? Okay. Number four, and this is a big one. Believe that God wants great things for you. Believe that God wants great things for you. You know, there are so many promises in the Bible, and, and, and guys, you, this is something you've got to You've got to get. You know, there, there's so many times we're looking at the Bible and we're studying the Word and, and we see God and we feel like God's universally, He loves all of His people. But you need to understand something. God loves you. God loves you just as you are. Now, how's that an example? Those of you that are parents understand that you just love your kids. You love them all, good, bad, and otherwise. You love them. God's the same way with us. But he loves us even greater than any earthly love. 
We are his children. You are uniquely made. God fashioned you just like you are. And it isn't an amazing thing that you can look around and each one of us is individually made. Each one of us is just this perfect individual creation showing the creativity of God. And God has a plan for your life. And the good news is, even if you've been off that plan for a long time, all it takes is you coming back to Him and He has an amazing way of picking you up and putting you back on track. No matter where you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are. God has a perfect plan for you. God has good things for you. God's not mad at you. You know, you hear me say that a lot. But it's true. God's not mad at you. He's not sitting up in heaven waiting for you to step out of line so he's, ah, now I can get him. He doesn't want that. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to walk in the fullness of life that he has for you. Believe that God wants great things for you. Number five, don't think that you're the only one. What does that mean? When you're going through challenges, when you're going through hard times, I want you to remember that you're not the only person going through challenges and hard times. And there are people in this room who have been there. And you need to reach out to those around you. You need to reach out to the resources. You know, Satan, one of the things he likes to do is carve people out of the pack. I think the reason Jesus talked about sheep so much is we tend to be like sheep. We wander off and do our own thing, and then the wolves show up, and then we're in trouble right but you've got to remember that when you're walking in this this family this group of sheep there's been some other sheep that have been down the road before you and they know a few things and you probably need to go to them and don't think you're the only one dealing with the challenge that you have because you're not and we can lift each other up in prayer and be there for each other another thing that we can do to build an unstoppable family is remember the people of God Remember the people of God. Remember those in your family. When you're talking to your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and nephews, tell them about the people of faith that have gone on before. I mean, almost everybody in this room had a praying grandmother or a praying grandfather or a praying aunt. There was somebody that was out there that was towing the line for their family. Share that with the other parts of your family. Share that legacy that you have. Amen? That is so important to remember that and remind your children of that. Number seven, instill a sense of purpose and calling in your family. Psalm 145 verse 4 says this, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I want to tell you again, Saturday a week ago was a great example of what we're doing. We're coming together as a church family, and that's something that we will all remember that God has done. And we want to continue to build those kind of memories in our family, spiritual memories of things that God has done, so that we can hand to our kids and say, we're now handing this to you. One of these days we'll do that. One of these days we're going to turn around and we're going to hand them the baton, and we need to look, we're preparing them for that. Did you know that every generation is only one generation away? from extinction every generation is just one generation away from extinction it takes us instilling a sense of purpose and calling in those that are following us so that they will carry forward all of the values that we hold as Christians all of the values that we hold as Americans have to be transferred to that next generation because if we don't do that who's going to and if we don't transfer that information they're just going to move on and it'll fall apart and that'll be our fault 
So we have to instill in them a sense of purpose and calling. Bill Cosby said this, you know, the only people who are always sure about the proper way to raise children are those who've never had any. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I've got a brother. They don't have any kids. They've got a Labrador retriever and a terrier, rat terrier. And he's given me more parenting information than you can imagine. Very helpful. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you put your kids out at night when they bother you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> But just remember that it seems like always that there are people in our lives that want to give us parenting information that don't know anything. So what do you do with that? You just smile and nod and don't listen to any of it. <laughs> Go to people that have been there and done that. And I want to tell you, here's a real key to this. If you want to create an unstoppable family, get around some families that are being unstoppable. That's biblical. You know, walk with the wise and become wise is what the word says. So if you want to find family, see, what I try to do in my life is I hang around with people that, that you know, I respect and admire, and there are things about their life that, that I admire about them, and I, and I learn from them just being around them. And it's the same way with our families. You know, if you want your family to grow and become all that God's created them to be, then you need to get them in church. You need to get them in a youth group. You need to get them around other people that are being that way because it doesn't just happen, y'all. It doesn't just happen. Get them around other people. It's important to let our kids know that we are aware of our inadequacies. Tell them you have nothing to lose in honestly admitting to them that you didn't do everything correctly as a parent. The admission may be the key to opening communication and beginning the process of healing with your kids. Abraham Lincoln said this, All I am or can be I owe to my angel mother. That was Abraham Lincoln. I feel like um, today when you leave this place, you're going to have the option to listen to the message, go, oh, that was nice. Let's go eat. <laughs> I'm planning on doing that, by the way. <laughs> What's easy, though, is to walk out and forget this. And I believe there's some folks in here that when you leave today, you need to go home and you need to pick up the cell phone and you need to call somebody. Maybe you need to call that child that's not at home right now and just let them know that you love them. Maybe there's somebody that's hurt you that you need to forgive. Maybe it's writing a letter. Maybe it's writing an email. But you need to take some action. Do something. Don't just let God's word come in and out. Don't just walk out of here and not let it penetrate your heart. Do something with this word. It's your choice. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your plan is for each one of us to be a part of an unstoppable family. Lord, we know that you've called us here to be an unstoppable church. But Lord, as family groups, you've called us to be a part of an unstoppable family. And Lord, I pray today that your word would penetrate deep and that as we leave this place, Lord, you would help us to be the kind of people that you want us to be. That Lord, you have a plan and purpose for each one of us. You have a plan and purpose for each family that's represented here today. But Lord, I also know that what can happen is that we can allow pain to get into our lives we can allow our past to affect us we can allow things that people have done to us block us out to keep us from your love 
So Lord, right now, as we're all here today, we're just gonna take a moment. And if there are people in our lives that we need to forgive, Father, we're gonna take some time to do that. And if that's you today, maybe someone has wronged you terribly today. And you have become a prisoner of that pain. That pain owns you. Right now, right now, right now, I want you to forgive that person. Whoever it is, it could be a parent, it could be an ex-spouse, whoever it is, you need to forgive them. Just let it go. And there's one more step that you need to take. You don't need to waste any time. You need to call or email or write them and you need to let them know that you've forgiven them. Expecting nothing in return, but free them today. And if you're here today and say, Pastor, I understand and, and I hear you talking about Jesus, but just to be real honest with you, I have never invited Jesus to be my Lord. I have never, I'm not a Christian. And I'm listening to this today and I realize that I'm not part of God's family. And if that's you today, today's your day. With every head bow and eye closed, if that's you, and anywhere in the congregation today, you say, Pastor, that's me. I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you just to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. But today, I want to receive Jesus. Anywhere today, amen. Say, Pastor, I need to do that. my last call today. If you're here and, and you are a Christian, but you've let your past, you've walked away, you've let your past define who you are, you're not walking with the Lord. You have walked away from Him, but you want to come back home. You want to rededicate your life today. If that's you today, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to rededicate my heart to the Lord today. Anywhere in the sanctuary, say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Amen. Well, let's all stand this morning. I really, I want everybody to look up here for just a second. Y'all, this is so important. And you could maybe say to me, Pastor, you don't understand what these people did to me. You don't, under, you don't understand. You know what? I don't have to understand. God knows. And I want to tell you, when Jesus hung up on that cross, he knew what was being done to him but he chose to forgive. And right now, I don't want you to go throughout this day. You need, to, you need to forgive whoever that is. And I'm telling you, this is for somebody or somebody's today. You do not need to let this day go by without making it right. And you may say, Pastor, they won't talk to me. Pastor, they, that's, that's not your deal. Your responsibility is not what they do. Your responsibility is what you do. And somebody's going to come talk to me this week and you're going to be free because you set somebody else free. So will you do that today? Don't let today go by. Father, bless this church family. Bless us as we go. Father, we thank you for allowing us to come to this place. Lord, we love you so much. Use us this week to be your hands and feet. Lord, help us to see with your eyes. 
Lord, the people around us that are hurting, and help us just to love somebody because we know that's a choice. It's not a feeling. And I pray, Father, that you would bless each one of our families represented today. Be with them. Bless them. And, Lord, we thank you for this community and the change that you're taking place. Lord, bring that change in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed as you go. Have a great week. God bless y'all.